gear up as Cass Miller and his team of accomplished guests steer you on an enlightening voyage filled with valuable tips, fresh insights, and effective strategies. Hello, everyone. This is Cash Miller. I'm the host Marketing of Marketing Master, Master CEO of Titan Digital. And today, we're going to be talking about how to put a sponsorship program together so that you can attract new business for, uh, for your company. I've got with me Emily Green of Grace Communication. She's got a long history in putting such programs together. Emily, it's great to have you on. Tell us a bit about yourself and what you do. Yes, thank you so much. It, it's a pleasure to be here. Um, so as you said, my name is Emily Green. I'm with Grace Communications. I started my agency almost five years ago. Um, before that, worked in marketing and in, in sponsorships for, gosh, almost 12 years combined with, with all of that. And I really wanted to start my agency like to make a difference in the world through the brands and the businesses that we work with. And I've been able to do that in a variety of ways, but one of the most impactful really has been through helping different businesses create additional revenue and sponsorship programs. So I'm very excited to talk about that and the power it can, and it can bring to a business. Well, let's talk about that part for a moment. Let's start there, you know? So what kind of like sponsorship programs you know, kind of go through what kind of, you know, like with some examples whatnot um, of programs that companies can be putting together. That way everybody's like on the same page. We know like yeah. what is here. Well, I think most people are familiar from, from a very high point. Like you go to a baseball game, you see like Coca-Cola or something sponsoring. And obviously with athletics, sponsorships are, are huge and very prevalent, but in smaller businesses, they can be as well. Um, for example, we worked with an agritainment company and I maybe should explain what agritainment is. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, so it's agriculture and entertainment combined. So in North Carolina, there's a lot of farms and some of them have switched from, you know, where they used to do like tobacco and that sort of thing to actually being entertainment. So they have corn mazes and, That's mazes and yeah. you know, strawberry picking and just the whole like family fun experience. So we worked with one in, in the Raleigh market and helped them turn a lot of their activities into revenue producing sponsorship opportunities. Mm. Um, and in the first year alone, we were able to help them get $40,000 in sponsors, which for a small business, that's significant. Um, and how we did that was really just identifying all their different main attractions doing our best to get the foot traffic and get those metrics. And that's what a lot of people don't have readily available, but you do need to have some sort of result, some sort of, you know, facts or scientific proof of what, what they can expect. Like who's going to be seeing this, how many people are, are going to see my, my messaging. Um, we help them to get that together. And then, you know, you analyze what are competitors doing? What are the rates of the market? and put that into a document and figure out different different options and different fun, creative ways to sponsor and monetize each of those attractions. So that's one example of a business that's a little more unique, probably not one you would think of having something like that. Um, but you don't have to necessarily be an entertainment destination to have sponsorships. Yeah. You can create additional revenue opportunities in other ways. So if you're like an online company, you can create ways on your website, like banner ads. Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you have a product, maybe you can get a partner 
on the packaging. Like there's, there's other ways to monetize that are a little bit more outside the box that sometimes I think people maybe don't think of, or they're afraid yeah. to because they don't want to be too salesy with it. Mm. Yeah, then, we see, well, I was going to say we see, so there's a lot of sponsorship stuff that goes on that we don't actually don't, you know, and some, some of your examples I think of as advertising, you know, banners and stuff, but it really kind of depends on the organization because, mm -hmm. you know, if you think of nonprofits and stuff that might put those kinds of advertisements, up, sure. those are sponsorships. They're not, you know, yes, you're advertising technically, but you're sponsoring that, that company or event or, or, you know, what, whatever it might be. Yeah. Yeah. And I think events are another huge thing. Um, a lot, I would say almost every event you go to has some sort of sponsor element to it. Um, and nonprofit events, especially they, they are, their sole purpose is to make a profit, make money off that. So they can put that back into their cause. Mm -hmm. So we've worked with a lot of different nonprofit events to help our nonprofits to help them develop their sponsorship levels and, and ways to monetize their events. Um, but you don't have to be a nonprofit to do that with your events either. So that's my, my other takeaway. Like if you're throwing an event, you can still get sponsors, even if, if you're not necessarily donating it, although it is good <laughs> to have some mm -hmm. charitable component. Um, but those are kind of like the, the main examples I would say is online companies. They, you know, utilize the traffic they have on their website and, um, their digital footprint to, to get sponsors, events, and then entertainment destinations. Yeah. Well, I was going to, you know, have a little bit of an example because before the show, you mentioned um, that you would work with the Avenue, which is a mall you know, yeah. located where I am. And right. I, I have someone here that I work with that has done some sponsorships actually right. in conjunction with the Avenue. So the idea was to bring more awareness to the businesses located mm -hmm. in the mall, but then he got sponsors for the event, you know, that provided the food and, you know, Right. entertainment and of course their names are everywhere um yeah. you know, there's beer and you know drinks and stuff you know so you can put on those kinds of things and like i say that was you know for the avenue to show off those businesses it wasn't yeah. you know it was, well, an, it was an event put on but with that specific purpose in mind right and a lot of of retail destinations which are kind of in that entertainment destination avenue even though they're shopping they mm -hmm. do a lot of entertainment events a lot of them not most of them but a lot of them do have some sort of sponsorship program yeah. in place and i as i said before i started my agency i i helped with that so we do we, we would look for brands and companies that could have activations and and or advertising placements that would be part of an overall sponsorship package or program to that they would buy into. And what they're getting out of it is the exposure, you know, people seeing it at uh, the property, usually some sort of digital, digital deliverables um, and having their name, the name associated. Yeah. Let's, let's dive into that a little more, you know, those primary goals, because money would be on the top of the goal. Yes. We've got, you know, because yes. in some cases they might be trying to make some money off of the sponsorships themselves, but what else, you know, you mentioned a couple of things, but go in a little bit deeper of if a company is doing this, what are yeah. they trying to achieve? So I think there's, there's essentially, I would say about three goals, three main reasons why are our goals. And number one is obviously to make more money to drive additional revenue, um, a lot of times, if you're a smaller business, uh, you can you can get those extra sponsorships. 
that allows you to grow your business. Like literally mm-hmm. you can take that and maybe build your renovation or add that extra element you've been waiting for. Um, so I think that that's usually the main objective for most people when they want to do sponsorships for some, for, for their business. Yeah. I would say number two is about creating those partnerships and relationships that can enhance enhance your company, enhance your event, enhance whatever it is that you're trying to do. If you pick the right sponsors, they can bring things that maybe you don't have. And so it can be a really powerful way to just grow your business with money and maybe adding something that you you want. Yeah. Um, And I would say the third thing is really um, certain brands also bring their power and their presence. So like if you do get a very well-known brand as a sponsor, a lot of times they'll promote your event on their end as well. So it can be kind of that collaborative cross-promotional power that goes beyond just the money, but can also help you know increase your followers on social, get people to come to your destination and enhance your notoriety. You know, mm-hmm. you're like, oh, if, if not to say Coca-Cola again, but if you get somebody like that and they sponsor you, it kind of makes, it kind of elevates your brand and makes it seem like, oh, well, if they're sponsoring, I guess I've, I could I could consider sponsoring too. And we've, we've seen that happen where we'll get yeah. a well-known brand or name in the community. And then all of a sudden these other people want to sponsor too. Yeah. Uh-huh. So that's, that leads to the question though, of how do you get these, you know, how do you get sponsors, especially well-known ones? Because I mean, it's already in this day and age hard to get in the door with people. You're still trying to sell them something because you're asking for money, right. you know, or services or something right. Right. to sponsor an event. Yeah. So how do you how do you go about getting them? You have to be you have to be cognizant of what's in it for them. And I think that's what a lot of I don't want to say bad salespeople are people that are just thinking about, well, I just want I need the money for my business. They're not thinking about the right fit and approaching it in that way. So you have to think of, okay, I've got this particular sponsorship. Who would it make sense for? Mm-hmm. And go after businesses that that would satisfy some sort of need that they have. It, it, it's it's similar to when I talk about like finding the right fit with a client, finding the right fit with your team. You have to find the right fit with sponsors too. So I think that's the biggest thing. If you want to attract a certain sponsor, think of it more like, who would be the right fit for that? And then look for that. And if you also promote it that way too, like you put it out there, like this sponsorship is, is for this and you, and you really like promote all the different things that they will get. Then you, a lot of times will attract the right fit because you're promoting it. Um, And I, I don't think a lot of businesses do that either. I think they're afraid to like, promote the sponsorships that they have don't want to seem too salesy but i think that if you want to attract people to come to you so you're not doing all of the you know chasing after people you do need to do that um so i would say that that's one big thing is making sure it's the right fit don't just try to find anyone that might talk to you like be intentional about it yeah i think that's really good advice because you know really look at what you do and then right. who would align well with that. You know, you yeah. had mentioned, um, you know, doing cornhole, ma- you know, corn mazes and yeah. hay rides and stuff. And it made me think of, okay, so get the local John Deere, 
you know, distributor Absolutely. or you yes. know, some, something along those lines, you know, to be one of the sponsors and, you know, so right. those yeah. kinds of things, you know, cause it, it aligns with, you know, you, you and what you do. Yeah. And we actually did. That's so funny. We had a hayride, <laughs> um, hayride sponsor and we got agro supply. They, they sponsored that it was perfect. Um, yeah. So I think, yeah, you just have to think, well, it also like the demographic. First, you have to know that, though. You have to know, like, who's actually coming, what are mm-hmm. what are the metrics for whatever you're selling, because they're going to ask that. If, if they're any sort of business that has been around for a while before they give you a check, they want to know, like, who's going to be there and if it if it meets their their goals or who yeah. they're trying to increase you know, sales with. So you have to know that. And then looking looking at who you're trying to sell to asking those questions like who are you trying to reach who's your current client who's the client you're who are the clients you're trying to grow grow your sales with because they may want to get out of what who they're currently selling to and that could yeah. be a big opportunity as well and i think researching is important you know it doesn't take that long now usually to find key information about people and about businesses so see what's important to them. You know, if it's a nonprofit that's, you know, trying to raise money for pediatric cancer and you research brands and see that they've supported other other similar events or maybe they have a history in their family or something with that, that might mean something to them. So it's doing that due diligence and going the extra step and being personal and custom and intentional. Yeah, but if you do that, that due diligence up front you're going to have a much better chance of bringing on the sponsors that you target because they're going to be more likely to listen to you. They're going to see the alignment for themselves. And if you've got the information, you know, like you said, of, of who you intend to attract to the event or whatever, you know, you've got going on, then they're going to have, it's easier buy-in because you've already, you're able to show them we are going after, you know, to bring into this, you know, this event or whatever we've got going on, your core audience. Uh, and right. if, you, if you can show that, then I said, then they're going to see the alignment between, because it's like, yes, we are, we go after the same kind of industry you do. Yeah. Right. I say, or, you know, we're in that industry. So yeah, it makes a lot, a lot of sense to, you know, to be able to yes. do that. So the more homework you do up front, the better. And it'll make, it'll make it more likely that they'll be successful with that sponsorship and want to renew and want to maybe even expand when they get to the renewal process mm-hmm. versus being dissatisfied, you know, you can, you can be asked somebody into signing a deal, but if it's not really a good fit, they're going to be upset. They may even want out of their contract early. And then you are right back to where you started. It's yeah. much better if you take the time and then create that long-term relationship. Mm-hmm. How do you handle communication with sponsors? You know, cause like, there's, there can be a lot of things that go on. And I know probably from your perspective, whenever you set up, you know, such a program for someone, you have to deal with potentially other agencies, marketing departments, depends on who the sponsor is or whether it's going to be a larger, larger company, or if it's somebody that's more local mom and pop, you're going to deal with the owners potentially. So is communication a challenge and, you know, how do you go about it? I think communication is always a challenge and any, anything you do with marketing, but I think with sponsorships, what I found to to make it less challenging is just to have very, very clear deliverables and clear communication routines and who is in charge of of talking to the sponsors and make sure they know who their who their person is. 
So one of the things before you even start outreach to find potential sponsors is you have to have that figured out. Have your, your different levels, your different options defined, put them in some kind of beautiful marketing presentation so you have that to work with. And then talk about how's it going to work. You know, once we get a lead, who's the one that's going to meet with them? Who's the one that's going to close the deal? Are we going to have contracts? Who's going to write the contract? After the contract, who does that go to? Like the whole sales process needs to be completely defined internally before you do any external outreach. Also, you need to have some way to track it. This is something that I see a lot of people that they don't do. And I think they assume like, oh, I'll remember this or that. You absolutely will not. It's there's too many things going on. So if you can't afford Salesforce or something like that, use a Google workbook, share it with all the parties in your team internally that need it and track, track everything. That way you are keeping up with your communication. And if you're on vacation or something, someone else can jump in and and see where you're at with, with that particular sponsor. Um, Once they are a contract and you've got, you know, you've got that signed, you're ready to go. Then it's communicating with them the timeline, communicating what you need from them, like if you need their logo, whatever you need to do your part. But it's it's similar to everything else. It's just you have to be very clear and you have to make sure that they understand what what you need from them and what you're going to do for them and all the deadlines. Wow. Um, yeah. Within organizations, who do you find are usually the best people? Because it's it's a sales activity. But if you've got, you know, say you've got a business and you've got, you know, salespeople, but they're trying to bring in regular business, you know, so you're doing an event, it's not necessarily a regular thing, or it's kind of a, if I set it up, and it's going to be ongoing, do I involve my sales force? Because I say it's a sales activity, but is that always, is always best to give it to salespeople if you have them, you know, like who's best equipped to handle these kinds of things? I think it depends on the business and the size of the business and the role. Cause I think for, for larger businesses, they're going to have, they may have like a whole team of people that would handle that and a manager or director that's overseeing it, but smaller businesses, which tend to be more who we work with, that's going to either depend on on one of us, like somebody from my agency being mm-hmm. almost like the project manager for it, or someone within their company, the marketing coordinator. Usually it's someone in the marketing department, and then they may have people underneath them that help with some of the, the delivery, like making sure the signage is printed correctly and, you know, getting stuff installed and all of that. But it, it just depends. But I think that's where... It doesn't necessarily matter, you know, one way or the other. It just needs to be defined and it needs to be really clear to the client who they're supposed to talk to. In my opinion, it's best if you have less people talking directly to the client because it can get really convoluted if you have too many people. When you end up, um, you know, if a company or what not hires your agency to do it, who typically ends up responsible in those situations? You know, because it's like, I just know that, you know, if it's a small you know business and they don't necessarily have the manpower, you know, to do it or the owners don't want to take it on themselves, you know, so they know, is it something that you typically is turned over in full and say, you know, we'll take it all off your hands or, yeah, you know, except for obviously approvals and stuff, how yeah. does it usually work? 
I would say more that. And then like the key, like the bigger sponsorships, most of the time, the owners that we've worked with want to be part of those conversations, but the outreach, like the, you know, lead generating part where you're, you're contacting people, that mm-hmm. part, they usually don't want any, any part of, except maybe sending leads to help yeah. out. Cause it's always better if it's a warm lead, if it's a business or someone that they know that they have a relationship with that we can, can go from there. Mm-hmm. Um, but most of the small businesses, they do want to in some way, um, just because it is so impactful to their bottom line that I found the owners don't want to just be totally hands off. Yeah. Well, that makes sense that they wouldn't want to give up all the control. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but I just know, yeah, when you're, you know, dealing with it, if it's an, especially being an unfamiliar type program to them, uh, they want to do it, but they're already hiring an agency because of the expertise. So it seems like they would want to give off as much as they can. Oh yeah. They, and they do. And usually if they hire us, they want us to go through step-by-step and and tell them, here's what we're going to do. So we have to tell them that part. And then it's kind of like, okay, we'll just, that sounds great. Right. Do that. And then they want to sign off on the actual sponsorship levels and that those, those parts, because they, they need to make sure that it would work with their business. You know, if we are selling something that they haven't approved, that could be really bad. So usually we get all of that set up. And that's why I talked about having that document, the sponsorship sales sheet, you need to have some sort of marketing collateral mm-hmm. that you can use to sell. And the owners are usually really, they're part of that quite a bit to make sure that that's right. And then we have that to use to go out there and sell and and get them that money. Well, I would assume that often um, they they need to be part of, you know, that early portion, because when it comes to actually the actual uh, execution of it. So, you know, if you've got an event going on and you're literally going to put up banners and things, you're going to have to do different things that you work into the event to provide you know, what you've promised, they're going to end up having a lot of the fulfillment on that side. Yes. And that's where, again, it's so important before you start any of that to figure out who's doing what, because it's different for each team. So we'll usually put together some sort of team structure plan where it's like, okay, this person's doing this, this person's doing that. And it's very defined, especially with events, because there's so many moving parts and so many mini deadlines that you have to have that kind of ironed out before. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so, okay, so we've gone ahead and sold the program. We've right. got sponsors lined up and everything, but how do we take care of, you know, feedback and how do we work to improve the program? Because, you know, you're going to have to work with those people, right? right. You, you know, you've got sponsors. Now, like I say, you got to deliver. You want to try to improve it over time. You know, you're going to have to communicate with them. So how do you deal with the feedback? How do you make your adjustments as you're like getting things rolled out? Yeah. So we, we always do some sort of survey after, after the fact, if it's an event, we'll send it out to all the vendors and sponsors and get, get feedback that way. And that's, that's awesome. Cause we'll get really good both ways. Um, and then depending on how big of a sponsor program or event it is, sometimes we'll do one-off meetings with the larger sponsors too, just to say, just to see what they're thinking, what they're feeling. And that's really good too, because then you can go ahead and talk about next year and and try to try, if they're happy, um, try to get them on board already for the next year. Um, but dealing with the negative feedback, I think it's this, again, it's similar to like dealing with it with anything else. It's 
what can you learn from it? Try to understand what they're saying, acknowledge it if you made a mistake, and then take that and, and use it to improve. Um, so that's that's what we try to do with that. But we want both. We want the negative and the positive so we can keep growing. Okay. What are the the there's a lot of different things you can do from a sponsorship standpoint, you know, events and stuff. What are you, what have you seen that's usually the most successful for businesses? Like, you know, like nonprofits, just as an example, what works best for them? And then other businesses. Yeah. Like, you know, if you, for profits, yeah. Like what have you seen that seems to work best and gets the attention of the businesses you're trying to attract as sponsors? So I think with nonprofits, it's really putting on amazing events. Um, those have been from, in my perspective, have been the, the best that I've seen. Um, and when I say that, I mean, they need to be really organized and need to be clear if they have some sort of fun theme, I've seen that that works out really well. And it can also attract sponsors because they, they want to be part of it because it's just so fun. Um, so I would say thinking of it that like, how can you stand out with your event? Yeah. Um, what, what kind of events, you know, more specifically might they put on, you know, just like say in their, in their industry, what, what kind of like, you know, cause we say events, but what type of events? Well, I mean, for, for example, we worked with a, um, a dog rescue group and okay. they, they have an annual event. It's pups and pints. And so it's, it's, it became one of the, it's become one of the biggest events in the Charlotte area. And just the name alone is fun. You know, it's yeah. science. So you're like, Oh, okay. Well, clearly it has dogs and some sort of drinking. Yeah. Um, so you've got that element. And then at the event, you know, they, they have different zones. So I found that zones are awesome because it's, it clearly defines what activities are going to be there. It also gives another layer of sponsorship opportunities. So oh, your yeah. zone, puppy zone, food zone, entertainment zone, kids zone, um, probably forgetting one of the zones, but in the puppy zone, there was a puppy kissing booth, which is really <laughs> fun. Um, yeah. So like thinking of things like that, like what can you do that would be really cute, fairly easy to implement, expensive to implement that people would want to do and you could raise money. So that was one example. They make a ton of money off that and it, it doesn't really cost anything for them. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the idea. So what are some other examples that you've seen is, you know, you know, I say, cause it's like, say you can say events, but it, you know, it's the idea generation side yeah. of like, you know, Hey, we've done something like this and this, you know, cause for another example outside of the nonprofit realm would be, with with the agritainment client that I mentioned, um, they launched a farmer's market and that was another great way to mm. get additional money. But they found they weren't making as much as they wanted with just, just the farmer's market and just the vendors. So then we started doing programming. And with programming, what I mean by that is having like two events each month and having themes with those. So like a strawberry festival, maybe you do a pumpkin festival, like how can you create buzz around things you maybe already are selling, already doing, but people love some sort of gimmick or something they can talk about. Yeah. about. Um, and it worked, you know, we would get so many people that would come out and we would try to have all the vendors have something with strawberries. It was a strawberry festival, you know, and just really, celebrate whatever that theme was 
Okay. Yeah. So you can get really creative and you can also do things that are sort of, you know, from the sponsorship side of things that are repeat programs. So like a monthly deal. So you might have the same sponsors. Yeah. You know, for it, but they understand they've bought into that. And then you're doing and you're changing the theme each month. So it's not always the same event because you got to get people to want to come back out. So yeah. it's they're not going to come back if it's the same thing over and over. No, no. Um, but some some things like that. I mean, you're already if you're already putting on a farmer's market. You're already doing that every weekend. It's not that hard to just go ahead and make it a festival, add mm-hmm. some live music, maybe have some food trucks and then brand it that way. So. I think that's where that extra level comes in is, is that branding part too. And thinking of, of creative ways to attract people. If you attract people, yeah. you're going to attract sponsors because they want to get in front of people. Yeah. The, you mentioned food trucks and stuff. And I've seen that, you know, they'll get groups of food trucks. will kind of band together to put on an event. Yeah. Yeah. Food yeah. 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 Yeah, Mm -hmm. because it drives new business for all the trucks that are there, but they get sponsorships to help take care of the the space, you know, if they've got it, because a lot of times they're at parks and things like that, but they've got to have paper permits and, and, you know, you might have a concert, you know, a band, you know, playing, so they'll use the sponsors to pay for that, so it's not out of their pockets individually. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, so there's there's a lot of different things. So if you were, you know, a business looking together, you know, to put together events, you know, using sponsors, what would the, what do you suggest is the roadmap to be able to do that? So where do we start and how do we finish, you know, to, to structure these things? Yeah. So I think if you're, you're in that, you know, entertainment destination category or your entertainment, whatever you want, if you're mm-hmm. in that category, I think you need to make sure that you understand your metrics. So what are your social, where do you stand socially with your account? Where are you visitors on your website? Where are you foot traffic wise? You've got to have some of that basic knowledge down before you can figure out what you could attract as far as sponsors and the different levels and how much you could charge. So that's usually what I ask first is I, I would, I would say, let's, let's talk about your numbers. Let's talk about what you have to offer sponsors. And it can seem kind of cold to look at it that way, but you got to be realistic about it because I've had clients who honestly, they think that they can come out, out of the bat, you know, getting $50,000 sponsors. And like you have 200 followers, you know, you're not going to get, you're not going to get that. Yeah. And you think about it, if it's a brand new event, you know, there's not enough awareness, but if it's an event that you hold every year, you know, well, five years down the road, you might be able to ask for that, you know, that higher amount of money, but you know that, you know, the turnout, you've got a really good gauge of everything that's going to happen and and what the value is of it. Yeah, absolutely. So, and and that's another good point. I think you need um, a starting point. It's good to have your dream goals, Mm -hmm. but, but you need to have like that path to get there and be patient with it and, and realistic and know your market too. So if you're you're wanting to start a sponsorship program in Murfreesboro, you should probably know what other people are doing similarly to what yeah. you're trying to do first. So doing that research, seeing what they're doing, even getting inspiration from that, but making sure that you know where you would fall with what people are already paying for similar things. Yeah. Um, and that's something that we, you know, when before I started my agency and I, I did create that sponsorship department. Um, I did. And, you know, you can't, again, you can't come out higher than everyone else when you're brand new. you got to like, you got to be patient with that and build it. 
Yeah, that's really good advice. Hey, this has been a great conversation. Uh, Emily, how would people get a hold of you? Because you really, you know, doing these kinds of events and stuff, you typically want to get some help yeah, to do this. <laughs> yeah, well, they can, they can find my agency on Instagram at Graceful Marketing. Also, our website is gracecommunicationsagency.com. So you can visit there. And then my email address is emily at gracecommunicationsagency.com. So those would be few good ways to reach us. Yeah. And I really say if you're, I really suggested if you're thinking of any kind of an event you know, and you need sponsors, you really want to have an expert that can help bring that event, you know, to home, you know, home and really have it, you know, be a success. Because if you get something going, like I say, a lot of times they can be repeated each year or month to month. If they've got theming, there's a lot of possibilities mm -hmm. in this space. Um, so again, thank you for joining us today. Uh, my name is Cash Miller. I'm the host of Marketing Master, CEO of Titan Digital. It's been another great episode. We've been talking sponsorships. Thank you for tuning in to Marketing Masters, the agency power show. This show is produced by Titan Media Works and is a part of the Small Business Delivered Podcast Network. Check out smallbusinessdelivered.com for more info about upcoming shows, hosts, programs, and how you can start your very own podcast.